Hey, Risso here at George Mason University. I'm here with Dylan Blaine from the University of Bath and the University of Wales, Trinity St. David in the UK. Uh, we're here to discuss an article titled Physical Education in a Post-COVID World, a Blended Gamified Approach. Uh, the article was recently published in the European Physical Education Review Journal. Um, you can find the full side of the article in the notes. And uh, Dylan, thanks for coming on. Welcome. Oh, thanks very much. Yeah, no, thanks for the invite. Um, I really enjoy the podcast and following it. So I'm uh, really grateful that the invite also great for the hard work to go into the podcast. I feel like I learned a lot from listening to it and a lot of the work that you do. So I'm grateful for that. Um, and just to acknowledge also my co-authors on this paper that we're going to talk about today. So um, big thanks to Martin Sandage and Tom Curran as well for uh, the work with this paper that we're discussing today. Yeah, thanks. And so... I mean, we've we've been two years out of the beginning of this COVID pandemic. Uh, it's different in all around the world, and depending on when you're listening to this. Um, but either way, a lot has changed in the school context. So I'm wondering if you can start off by telling us about kind of the new technological scenario present in schools, focusing especially on physical education. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's obviously been an extremely challenging situation for everyone and uh, the fact that we were sort of in and out of lockdowns and of course with different countries at different stages um, and the uncertainty that went with that um, schools like any other context was affected hugely and the having to move to immediately to remote and online delivery modes um, and then even moving forward from there where we have you got you have some pupils in school some people's not in school and that sort of carried on there and that's presented a hugely challenging context to um, deliver in um, and that, of course the technology has sort of been been thrust upon us in many ways and uh, been put at the forefront of all of this and we've all had a, a crash course in many ways in these, these online technologies and delivering via online um, methods and I think that that has um, for schools really strengthened that link in many ways between the school and the home environment and that's been sort of was at the heart of lots of the ideas that, uh, that we present in the paper here is uh, and how technology really has been um, at the forefront of, of strengthening those links between the school and the home environment and really the start point for this was well what, what sort of lessons have we learned through this process that we can maybe um, improve what we were already doing um, in physical education, and I suppose technology has been at the heart of that uh, in many ways. And that's really what the, the sort of underpinning um, concepts and ideas were for the, the, the writing of this paper. Yeah, and I really do hope that we have learned some lessons through this because it's been a, it's been a long, long struggle. Um, but you mentioned that the pandemic brought this added enthusiasm to the potential that PE has to promote physical activity for youth. And before we started recording, you you brought up kind of like controversial figures like Joe Wicks, like that, you know, he did bring some enthusiasm, but I think a lot of physical educators were, you know, very much against having just like a celebrity PE teacher run this entire um, PE program or be the face. But I'm wondering if you can tell us more about this kind of new expectation set for the field as we've kind of moved to um, through this pandemic. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there was already an enthusiasm in the subject clearly to promote um, 
a sort of lifelong engagement in physical activity as a, as a prominent aim for the subject there, amongst many other obviously highly debated aims. But that promotion of uh, enjoyment in movement and leading active life is often something that uh, we as PE teachers sort of hang our hats on in many ways and trying to give young people positive experiences in physical activity so that they sort of continue that on. And I think we've only had added enthusiasm for that now. The pandemic has obviously shown us how important being active and healthy and maintaining good levels of fitness are. And so it sort of um, made us all reflect in many ways on our own physical activity levels and highlights further the importance with regards to us promoting positive um, experiences within physical education. And I think um, during the pandemic, we've got lots of those structured opportunities for physical activity being removed from uh, many of our lives. And particularly young people with maybe sport disappearing and these types of things not being available that um, physical education in many ways represents an even more important structured opportunity for young people to have these positive experiences um, and i think that that the reflecting on the whole process the fact that PE is um, that one structured opportunity that all young people or generally most young people get uh, delivered by high highly qualified skillful individuals, that there is that, that, that added enthusiasm for the importance of the subject now in providing those positive experiences. And that's um, a really important sort of underpinning idea around um, what we present here is that it is uh, an opportunity for all young people to have that positive experience of physical activity and sort of set them on the right path in many ways to a, a life of physical activity. Right. And, and in, in your study, you used a bunch of different theories um, and approaches, and we've we've covered these on the podcast before. So, you know, in your paper, you talk about the socio-ecological perspective, self-determination theory, and physical literacy. In, uh, and so I'll link to those uh, different podcasts. So for people who want to kind of go deeper into those areas, there are previous ones that we've done. So you can always find... Um, any episode, there's a pinned tweet at the top of the at the HPE podcast Twitter feed, and it leads to a Google Doc. You can just look up different uh, episodes by category. But I think we can skip over the deep dive into theory. But what I'm interested in and what initially you know made me reach out to you was basically the title of this paper about this blended gamified PE model that you propose in the study. So I'm, I'm excited to hear about that. Can you explain it? Yeah, no problem at all. So, um, yeah, the model we propose in the paper is a relatively simple one, um, straightforward. And as you note, we draw upon um, self-determination theory and uh, broader socio-ecological models to sort of show how um, our model draws upon those. But relatively straightforward in that we um, position blended gamified PE, if you like, uh, at the heart of a way of creating mutual reciprocal links between the home and the school environment. Um, often we state the limitation of PE is that we get this limited curriculum time and limited time contact time, um, particularly us here in Wales, we often are uh, frustrated maybe that we don't get more time with the pupils in PE. And so that limitation of, well, how can we link to time outside of PE? And that's where we position then this blended gamified approach. Um, and digital platforms being particularly important then uh, uh, within that uh, area. We also um, draw upon the sort of importance of many different uh, key social agents really in promoting um, uh, or supporting 
individual's motivation to be active. And we draw here on self-determination theory and particularly the basic psychological needs and how young people, when they, if they're supported in relation to these three basic psychological needs, that they are more likely to develop these sort of autonomous, internalized forms of motivation and set them on the right path towards a lifelong physical activity. And But there are key sort of people that might play a part in that. And the PE teacher is obviously one. Um, but friends and family members are key, other key social agents. And so if we can um, have a multiple impact from PE on different social agents, we potentially can have a greater impact on the young people's motivation towards physical activity. And we really, in our model, try to show how the blended gamified approaches might enable us to um, provide greater need support for these young people um, in relation to physical activity. So linking directly between home and school PE and, and situating this blended gamified right in the right at the heart of that so that we can um, provide those better supports really for young people in terms of the psychological needs in relation to physical activity. Great. And you have an image on the um, in the paper that I think describes the model very well. It's a very good visual. So if you're listening to this and need a visual to look at, I, I highly suggest checking it out. But um, can you walk us through the core elements of that model that are depicted in that uh, image that you have? Yeah, so the the, the diagram, the, the sort of figure that we present within there um, draws upon, again, the psychological needs, but, but with the individual uh, at the center of this model and their autonomous motivation and physical literacy, if you like, right at the heart of it. And then this just shows how um, the three psychological needs and support from different social agents really um, are key to developing or supporting those psychological needs with the school and home and wider contexts uh, as part of that. Did you want me to go and talk about the core elements here now? Yeah, yeah, if you can or, cover those, yeah. Yeah, no problem. So in terms of, sort of leading on from that uh, model, from the figure, if you like, is uh, that we also within the paper present some, what, what we consider to be eight core elements to the creation of blended gamified approaches. Uh, and the, the, the um, thinking here is that through these eight, that these sort of mechanisms in that figure, if you like, can be best actioned so that we can actually create those links between home and school and that the, the um, need support of the young people will be in place really. So the, the core elements uh, and the first one that we talk about is having is the use of online platforms or the first two really talk about of online platforms and this really is that that blended approach where you can use the online approaches to actually extend the PE lesson beyond maybe just the confines of a lesson. Again, acting upon maybe some of the limitations that we suggest for the subject. And uh, I talk in there talk in terms of these remote live lessons, but also having the remote access to resources. And this really could be highly supportive for people's autonomy, if you like, in that they could um, access materials at, uh, at different times and locations uh, that, that suit for them and providing them with that choice, if you like. Uh, but also potentially extending opportunities for competence support where pupils can be engaging in activities outside of PE. And um, a lot of this happens anyway automatically and lots of pupils engaged in, in different experiences, but um, providing greater opportunity for, for young people through PE, which again, coming back to it, is that structured opportunity for all pupils that this or these online uh, platforms that we've uh, 
we've learned so much about during this pandemic have potential for us to create those um, opportunities for young people outside of PE there. But I think just providing them on an online platform is probably not enough. And um, this is where in the paper we talk about the importance of it, it isn't just about remote, but the actual face-to-face -face PE lessons are um, as important, if not more important, really, to engage the young people. And that the online is um, a way for us to um, develop our delivery further. So the third core feature, or um, the third core, core element rather, that we talk about is having sort of structured game-based challenges. And people respond really well to um, games and missions and quests, at least this is not from my experience, that's what you tend to find. And when you look into the literature, there seems to be quite a lot of support around um, gamifying uh, different aspects and how that can be quite engaging and motivating for young people. And so one of the core elements that we talk about is the creation of these structured game-based challenges and quests, if you like, um, drawing upon the problem-based learning, if you like, and lots of different ways that this has been termed, but um, using these game design principles to actually uh, create fun activities for young people to do. And it leads us into the fourth core element, really, which is around team play as well. Um, understanding that uh, pupils generally enjoy to take part in team-based, game-based tasks and working together to, to uh, around these different quests and missions, and that also aims to target sort of some of those those needs for relatedness and feeling valued uh, within different PE lessons, but also to try to potentially look at how those team play could extend into maybe the home and having family-based uh, challenges. Again, the next stage will be for us to look at the sort of practicalities around doing some of this work, but it would sort of, if you look at some of the work around how important the parents are or family members are for young people to be physically active, maybe uh, having a think about how we might set some of these team play uh, gamified challenges in the home environment might be something, that, a lesson that we can maybe learn from, uh, from the pandemic. And the fifth one that we talk about is the gamified use of points, levels, rewards. Um, and, you know, drawing upon self-determination theory, um, we do caution here in terms of it, that if everything is about points and rewards and things, that's quite extrinsic and controlling maybe in, in their nature. And so it's a, it's a careful use of these. But on the flip side of it, it does provide a bit of structure and feedback to pupils on how they're doing. So it can be competence supporting also in some ways. Um, but just being mindful that we need to look at maybe that this uh, the whole idea here is that it is around promoting autonomous motivation rather than just doing things for points and rewards and so on, which would be quite right. extrinsic. Uh, sixth, then, is the sort of use of mobile devices, associated apps, then. We talk around how um, these mobile technologies um, enable this blended approach to be maybe more seamless because you can access materials on the move at any time um, and that there are many apps and things that can add to the use of uh, um, blended gamified uh, approaches. Again, potentially looking at how that that we record and monitor progress throughout different lessons and that they've been able to access that at any time at any point um, can be extremely valuable. Tied to that, the use of video is the, is the seventh, core, seventh core element and using video to maybe present some of the challenges. So how we look at uh, integrating some of these core elements will be something that uh, we're looking to develop now as we move forward with it. But I think the use of video, um, access to mobile apps, but setting
setting of gamified challenges and things could be something that we can learn um, learn from in terms of developing this, these uh, approaches to PE. And then the final one, which um, we, we did a little bit more explanation on, is sort of creating the opportunity for pupils to be able to sort of map their own narrative through these the gamified challenges. And again, the games provide significant opportunity for pupils to have choice and to select different pathways through. And so um, how we do that in terms of PE um, and, and create this opportunity for people to have choices as they map through different challenges and gather rewards and so on is, is that last core element of the model. And together, it's the sort of integration of these different core elements that form what we um, write about as being that blended gamified approach that hopefully can help to create those more positive experiences and those closer links between the home and, and the school environment so that young people get those physical activity opportunities but also that opportunity to develop that sort of intrinsic autonomous motivation towards being active for life. Yeah, and to me, this makes a lot of sense. Like the way that you've, like, it's not one thing. This is the one thing that's going to fix it. It's a, a bunch of different things and a bunch of different approaches using technology not to replace good teaching, but using a teacher to use technology to enhance during video and all this stuff. And, and I'm wondering if I move into the next question, if uh, you can comment on competition. And so to me, like I understand young kids love video games. A lot of kids play video games. So the, the gamified approach makes a lot of sense to me. And I know that um, a lot of video games aren't necessarily the same head-to-head -head competition that I might have in a one-on-one -on -one basketball game. I'm not necessarily going against you in a one-on-one -on -one basketball game or not when I'm playing a video game. It's I'm trying to, you know, you talk about quests, like in like going on different missions and trying to do different things that have some sort of reward at the end or whether it's intrinsic or extrinsic. So I'm wondering, because, you know, there's sport education model in, in physical education that a lot of people know that's there's a lot of direct competition in there. And for students who like are not interested in competition, they might get turned off during that unit. So how do you feel that competition plays in to this model? Do you feel like it's uh, like embraced or it can be embraced or then people who don't like competition could still thrive in this this type of model. Yeah, no, that's a, it's a really good point. And uh, I think, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of sport education as well. And, uh, you know, lots of the elements of games um, I've tried to introduce. It's it not just around digital games as well. I'm trying to think broader around games um, in terms of, you know, what are elements of board games that people enjoy doing? There's elements part of that. There's, you could think of many of the sports around playing a game. And there's elements around rules and things in sports that that people generally enjoy. Um, coming back to the concept, the, the point of specific point around competition, um, we often find yeah that competition can be sort of quite. It can be an immediate motivator in that you you get if you once you put a competition in things in P, there's immediate, but then that can cause potentially um, decreased motivation if pupils are only judging their success by what they're doing in that competition, and so. I think where I am with this one is to find that balance between competition and cooperation, um, really, where pupils can be working in teams towards achieving on tasks 
um, and quests and solving problems and missions and being rewarded for points around that sort of element rather than just a head-to-head. And that's not to say that head-to-head competition can't be part of it, but of course the issue um, with any head-to-head competition is if it's only being judged on who wins and that's the only marker for success, then there's only certain pupils that can actually have that success. And so it's balancing that with a allowing all pupils opportunities for success and that doesn't mean that we, uh, 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 my position here is that doesn't mean that we should shy away from any all head-to-head competition but that pupils to maybe understand that okay if they haven't won that direct head-to-head competition that you've got still been successful in certain ways and that's where i think the missions and quests and things that go around some of that um, can be important so pupils understand that there's multiple ways of being successful in PE rather than just in terms of winning in those those head-to-head competitions. Um, so I think that's what it is. But it's interesting to draw upon sports education because um, yeah, I re- read a lot around sport education. I deliver modules to our students on it, and I think that uh, there's the the elements that you can take from competition and uh, use from there and using that positively. And there are sort of comparisons and. Uh, influences in this paper from some of the work of Carol Seedentop and sport education and, and colleagues and things. So, yeah, definitely good parallels to draw there. But I think that's where I am with the competition in, in on, the, on this one. Great. Um, so I'm wondering if you can give us a few examples of the electronic or mobile health technologies um, that you've, you've talked about a little bit, um, how those could be used to, you know, deliver the blended learning model and if you can tell us how these games are are used. Yeah, certainly. So I think in terms of an online platform is obviously one of the core elements in the program is having something that uh, it provides you that opportunity for people to be able to access resources at any, at any time across context. And so having some sort of online platform, I think, is one key aspect to this. And we've obviously been learning about how to use and the technologies have been developing as we've gone through here we're on zoom here now for example there's teams there are lots of other sort of um, online um, platforms available when i was teaching in the secondary school we used to do something called edmodo which again it has the opportunity for pupils to access resources but also to upload things a teacher to upload and having that platform i think is is one of the sort of start points here but then that's the sort of um that, that core element is there and then you can embed the use of multiple other technologies within that and be these mobile technologies where you could be recording video or recording points um, uh, and those aspects can be uploaded onto uh, an online platform potentially using video analysis software if it's uh, around certain challenges or quests that have been set uh, around that um, we use a lot of Socrative as a sort of Q&A type tool within in the class and being able to take some of those um, again and marry them up with a, a, an online platform is is useful. Um, in terms of then, I think the key with it then is sort of mapping that to some of these game-based elements and you see lots of sort of step challenges and things out there now that uh, are, are gamified and um, young people having opportunities, or all of us maybe, opportunities to take part in little games and things associated with some step challenges. So you can be tying in some mobile apps around that into a gamified element as part of um, school paid PE. Um, the in-class challenges, um, one of the setups I use in-class around this is to have the iPad docked at certain 
home courts, if you like, or at home stations, and then the pupils are working on some physical activity, some physical challenge that is then, um, they could be posting results on the mobile platform onto Teams, for example, using a simple tool like some of the forms and things that are available um, that allows uh, those aspects to be recorded. So I think it's about trying to think creatively, really, in how we take some of these technologies, the apps and things that are available, using them in combination, but having a sort of game-based mind, if you like, as we're devising these so that the, the pupils can be motivated and engaged in what, in what they're doing across contexts. And I think that's where the basic psychological needs and having those at the forefront of our minds as we're devising and delivering these in the, the language that we use to deliver these challenges. And game-based language generally is, is quite need-supportive uh, in, in many ways and that pupils can have multiple tries at things doesn't mean that if you fail once that's it to win a game you get to come back all the time and have another go at things you know there's lots and lots i think that we can learn from these game elements and it's thinking creatively and how we maybe take some of those lessons and put them into pe um, but then having that blended element hopefully then allows that to move beyond just the confines of those PE lessons yeah and i and i think you bring up a good example of you know failing at a video game or failing at a task you think about like you know, a generalization, a stereotype that, you know, older individuals or teachers might say like, oh, this younger generation doesn't have any resilience. You know, they just give up so easily. And like, you watch my nephew play a video game and how many times he plays the same exact level to make sure that he gets through it. Like, that's a very different resilience than maybe a physical task that might be tough. But if you can bridge that understanding between those two, of showing that, okay, this is a physical task that you're doing, but put in the same resilience, same effort as you do, because a lot of kids, and I think that that's, there's something about video games that that click for certain students, that they just like go really deep and they just like really try to, I mean, we hear the, the negative aspects a bunch of kids playing 12 hours straight all through the night because they're so like determined to, pass a game or something like that so to me it's fascinating seeing these like possibilities of integrating technology into pe like when i did my dissertation it was adding uh accelerometers into a a classroom to teach about physical activity through those technologies and now to think like Oh, you can do your own videos and upload your own videos and integrate your whatever app that you have into your Google Google Classroom. And, you know, you could take attendance uh, through all these different ways. And there's so much that that technology has has brought to us that is is interesting. And I think that, you know, you're hitting on something because there are other, um, you know, fields that make like or gamify their approach. Like in the US, stock investing, like investing in the stock market, a lot of these startup companies are making it a game. They're making it a gamified approach, which is scary because you're using your own money. Like you're using real money to invest in the stock market, but they're making it a gamified approach because they are trying to recruit the people who grew up playing video games. And I think that you're right in the sense that having some format of a gamified approach is is important just because that's not every kid but that's a lot of kids have grown up with even though they're not 
playing PlayStation, they might be on their phone playing playing games while they're going on on to school. Um, but let me let me get back to my pre-planned questions here. Uh, I was wondering if you can expand on the benefits that teachers and students can have by using this blended gamified approach that joins the face-to-face -face and online learning, because this isn't necessarily a model that you're proposing to take, or it isn't a model that you're proposing to take fully online. We do have face-to-face, -face, we have some online learning, so I'm wondering if you can expand on that. Yeah, definitely, That's, that is the um, ethos here, is that um, it isn't about moving everything online, um, but the face-to-face -face is crucial here, and those face-to-face -face PE lessons uh, are vital. But again, just to reiterate that point, that, that taking lessons maybe from what we've learned in terms of the online allows us to overcome some of the limitations of the limited curriculum time that we often face within PE. So that's sort of one of the, the key points here, and that, that's where the blended um, approach is, is so crucial and providing those then additional opportunities for young people to be active. Um, just to sort of reiterate on the point as well that um, in the paper we write about some of the e-health and M uh, mobile health interventions that are out there and how they just seem to have so much promise in terms of the reach that these um, interventions could have and drawing into the health context here now and we go into that work somewhat in the paper rather than just the PE but looking at what can be learned from e-health, mobile health interventions and they got loads of reach with minimal perhaps um, human um, workload implications because they, the, the, the mobile app could be doing a lot of that work but that um, around that then the issue is how do you engage people in those programs and interventions and so as we, I was reading and researching in some of that area it was well if you have a blended approach on PE as the context, and that can be really the way that it enables that engagement with the electronic or online side to be achieved and what you do in the face-to-face -face in conjunction with that online, together they're much more powerful rather than just one uh, uh, or the other. So that's, that's one of the benefits um, that, that we talk of within uh, the paper. But also then that if you're trying to engage people in that online and also in the face-to-face -face, is that again those principles of gamified uh, elements and those game design elements can be crucial in uh, engaging both in PE lessons but also in the online and then that hopefully could potentially have some potential around um, being more motivational and engaging for young people. So as we're as you're moving forward Obviously, this is like a conceptual framework that you put in. What's what's the next step for you with this with this work or with this model? Yeah, I mean, the next uh, step is we is to develop some more specifics um, with regards to this and to um, actually then go out and start to develop these specifics with teachers, young people, and, and that's the sort of first stage in many ways, is to look at um, what, how do we, what does this look like in practice? Can it work? Does it work? What elements work? Um, and really, we, as you said, we've got a conceptual paper here that does draw upon theory and research, and we um, have, a, have a model, a proposed model that is evidence-based and, and theory-based that we think about how this could work but then it's taking that and looking at it in practice, all well and good to be on paper 
and uh, and have it there in in theory, but it's looking at how this works in practice and developing something that's a bit more specific um, for um, the physical education context through working with teachers and getting pupils' input on this as well. And so one of the key next steps that we'll do is, um, and we've sort of started on this work already, is looking at um, uh, um, the context of health exercise-based activities in PE, if you like. So um, health and fitness um, as a context in, in PE is one of the areas. And looking at how we could maybe use some of these blended gamified approaches in that context. Uh, not saying that would be the only context, but a lot of my work has been in secondary school physical education. And um, that's one area where um, we'll be looking to develop some ideas with some, some um, teachers and pupils as a first step. And then it'll be moving towards um, trying to have a look at what the effectiveness of this. Um, uh, and when we start to research it, um, does it have a positive effect on young people? Does it enhance some of the things that we think it will in terms of their motivation, maybe elements of physical literacy, and also their physical activity levels um, um, throughout as well? And for the first stage is sort of well, what's the acceptability and feasibility of actually implementing such a, an approach as this, and that's where we'll probably well, that's where we will be moving to next with this research, with a view then to sort of. Um, looking at some longer-term effectiveness work once we've maybe nailed down something a bit more specific around these core elements and testing some of those ideas with, with young people and teachers. Yeah, and and I think one of the one of the two big things that we always struggle with wherever you are in PE is time and space. Do you have the space to be physically active for a huge school or small school without a gym, whatever it is, and then the time, like... In the U.S., there are states that are very restricted uh, in just the minutes that we have. And that's why I think this project that you're working on is so exciting because it does create avenues to fill time and space. It allows the space to be Internet-based and at home. So you can do part of that work at home. You can do part of that work um, you know, outside of physical education. And, you know, looking at timing, you can extend, not that we want to, like, give homework for every single day that you have to do something, but the time that we have, like, there are schools here that you are, you're only getting 60 minutes a week with, with some of the students. And so what can you get done in that 60 minutes? Not a lot of cognitive information. You can get them if they're in 30 minutes, Tuesdays and Thursdays. You can get them active for the 30 minutes, but the instruction part is going to be very hard to do very effectively, just timing-wise. So putting these videos online, extending that into a digital space to, you know, if students don't understand certain skills, that they can go revisit those skills through instructional videos that teachers can make um, can be really helpful. So um, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to following along on your path of, going and doing this research because I think it's I think it's important and then, and again it is important to test these hypotheses and these frameworks that that seem to work really well to see how they how they work so thanks thanks for your work oh, thanks very much thanks for the opportunity as well come talk about paper and uh, as you say there I think um, we you've hit the nail on the head there in terms of the limitations and things that we were thinking about as we developed some of this and uh, yeah, let's uh, 
I'm looking forward to really um, speaking to more people about it and sharing ideas and uh, working on this project. So, uh, yeah, if anyone's interested, just tell them to drop me a line and uh, that'd be brilliant. Thanks very much. Awesome. And we'll we'll set a, a link to the paper and contact information for you. So if, you, uh, if you're listening and want to learn more about it, you can read the paper or you can reach out to Dylan. Um, so that's all we have for you on this one. I want to thank everybody for listening and uh, thanks to Abel Rodriguez for her help and producing the podcast and thank you Dylan for uh for coming on and and sharing your work thanks very much if you're still listening you're probably really into health and physical education so I'm going to use this opportunity to pitch our master's program to you if you don't have your master's degree yet um Our 100% online master's degree program we offer at George Mason is affordable. You can do it while teaching, and it's high quality. Um, Mason was listed as one of the top 50 universities under 50 years old in the world. Our education department was ranked in the top 10 nationally for the online master's degree program in curriculum and instruction. The master's degree uh, revolves around your teaching. So you'll use assignments from the classes to immediately apply research and best practices to your classes. You'll be part of a tight-knit cohort of health and physical education professionals who are passionate about teaching. You're also going to get an opportunity to interact with students in other content areas. So if you're interested, you can email me, look me up on Twitter, or you can go on the hpewebsite.com under study with us and watch a video that I've made.